0: It's
1: the Paddle Boo Podcast. What's going on guys? Welcome to the Paddle Boo Podcast. This is Chase Kosterlitz here coming to you from beautiful Nosara, Costa Rica, where I just finished up three and a half weeks of camps uh it's been a great run of waves that seems to have started in november when we first got down here and i talked about this on past podcasts but i'm just most impressed i'm impressed by a lot of things down here but the consistency of good surf is just unreal and we're coming into these are traditionally the best months but it's really been amazing since November and campers had a great time if you check out our Facebook page Blue Zone SUP and our Instagram Blue Zone SUP uh, you can check out some of the videos and pictures that I've been posting of the last couple weeks of camp and the Paddle Woo podcast is brought to you by Blue Zone SUP um, our retreat uh, stand up paddle retreats down here in Costa Rica so if you want to improve your surfing and And surf amazing waves. Send us a message, get down here, and you can also check out Portal Surf Designs um, when you come down. So, the Paddle Boot Podcast is brought to you by Portal, and Eric has been developing these boards for the last really since he got into surfing, in trying so many boards over the years, and, and then getting into subsurfing, and now. As a deliberate shaper slash designer, he is coming out with some great stuff. I've been surfing the 76 6 Barra and having a ton of fun on it. But last trip, he brought down the Long Barra, which is a longboard shape that I really enjoyed. It brought me back to... The beginning of my stand-up paddle experience, surfing, um, maybe seven years ago, was on a big 110 Sean Ordinez uh, shape, and it was a longboard style where you have that nice glide. And there's something to be said about setting a line and just going super fast and then being able to turn off the tail. Uh, and that's what you get in, in more of a longboard shaped stand up. So check out portalsurfdesigns.com. You can check out the Lombara. Uh, Fisher Grant, who is on the portal team, he's a US champion uh, in longboard and in stand up surfing. And he was on the Lombara just doing a clinic in longboard style subsurfing. Eric uh, posted a video of it. You can find it on Blue Zone SUP or um, Portal Surf Designs, but really humbling to see someone surf as smoothly and stylishly and aggressive at times as Fisher on uh, on a longboard shape and he was also on uh, the seven six that I've been surfing so it was was kind of eye-opening to see someone rip the board that I've been on rip it around and really make it move so uh yeah, check that out and as always we appreciate you guys listening and today I'm going to bring you an interview I did with Connor Baxter and if you don't know in the race world Connor is arguably the the best paddler in the world currently and in all time certainly the most wing, winningest and um he's had a bit of a rough start to 2018 but for him a rough start is is uh, it's all relative. he was on the podium um, in Tahiti and then he finished I believe 13th at the Carolina Cup last uh, two weeks ago but then he just won the Olakai downwind event in Maui. So I think he's getting into his groove and Connor gives us a, uh, a really interesting insight into his mindset into his training and uh, how he maintains a position at the top of the, the leaderboard really for almost a decade now which is pretty unreal and he talks about getting into stand-up and of course we talk about surfing Connor charges um jaws I've seen I remember when I was in Hawaii in Hawaii free surf magazine he Mm -hmm. was on uh the back cover on the jaws left actually, and just a massive, had to be 40, 50 foot wave. Um, So Connor definitely uh, holds his own in the surf and uh, I'll just let him tell you about everything that he's up to and uh, some interesting insights into his training in racing and uh, his technique he's known for a kind of unique paddle stroke so listen for that and enjoy today's show all right connor welcome to the paddle woo podcast thank you for joining me
0: yeah no worries thanks for having me really appreciate it man
1: all right. So, I always like to start with a little bit of history and how you got into the sport and we actually had Bart, Bart Deswart on the show. I know you know Bart really well and he had a he had a good story of you in the early years of paddling and why don't we talk about he we're going to definitely talk about your training together and, and your training now more specifically, but why don't you talk about the those first years of you getting into stand-up paddle racing and how that went down?
0: Yeah, no, it definitely was a fun, fun uh, experience. Uh was really heavily into windsurfing, and because of that, you know, I had a really great sponsor, Starboard, and they were giving me all kinds of equipment and traveling around, and they came, and they had the photo shoot here every single year, and one year that they came, they brought a stand-up board and. We all kind of been hearing about it and seeing it because of Laird here on Maui and stuff, but it was just funny because they're like, okay, hey, we're doing it. We're, we're bringing a board, and we tried it. It's this is big, big board, and it wasn't like anything crazy. It wasn't like anything as exciting as windsurfing, but as time progressed, the equipment just kept getting better and better. We found that we can go pretty fast downwind." that's when all the boys here, Dave and Mark and Nicole and uh, Livio guys, you know, started getting really fast on the unlimited boards. And I was just a 14 year old kid chasing all these guys. And uh, sure enough, you know, got a little better, get a little bit more used to the conditions and reading the ocean and reading the bump and ended up winning my first race at like 14 and a half, 15 years old. And that was the spark. It was like, okay, I just beat some of the best in the world are, you know, adults, you know, Ecole, Dave, and Mark, and I'm only, like, 15 years old, this is crazy, got a $4,000 check, I'm like, this is what I want to do, this is so, like, this is what I, you know, I love, and, and I'm really enjoying it, and Bart, and Livio, and all those guys were definitely a stepping stone to the next level to just, you know, uh, downwinding with all those guys, Bart dragging me into the harbor in flat water in the beginning and chasing him around. And, uh, you know, it's just as a matter of time when, you know, the, the handle switch and then they were chasing me and then, you know, getting to travel the world, experiencing, you know, all kinds of tours and different events and competitions. It's been, uh, you know, a pretty crazy year. And just was talking about um, this with Chris Parker and, uh, yeah, going into my 10th year of racing, so it's, uh, it's been a long time, and it's funny because I kind of can say veteran of the sports considering I've been there from the beginning, but just starting my career, which is, uh, you know, pretty fun to say.
1: Well, I love that you shared that story in, about that first race. That was uh, Maui to Molokai, right?
0: Yeah, Molokai still have that winning streak
1: going. (laughs) And that is epic. And I definitely want to talk specifically about that downwind run. But but uh, that race that sparked it all. I I remember seeing uh, a picture. It wasn't at the time. It was a few years after. But it's you on the podium, like very much. This tiny little kid, and you got Dave Kalama and, and Livio, and they did not look happy uh, that they just got. No,
0: t- <laughs> none of them were happy. <laughs> them, they, Kolu, Dave, they all had this sour face. They're like stoked, but they're like, how the heck did this little Howley kid beat us? Yeah. Actually, and i like, those are the things that Dave and the guys were doing before stand up, even with the one man and stuff. So, no, it's definitely. Uh, definitely you know one of the most remembering things of you know how it kind of got me excited and just yeah all around great event
1: what do you think that it was because clearly you you went into it with not a lot of expectations and it seems you you definitely train your butt off and I've I've seen it and then you're always posting stuff you're at the gym you're on the water so there's a lot of hard work involved but there's also it seems like a natural talent and natural ability especially in the bumps that's where it really comes out and that's what you're known for uh initially but you're you're plenty of a threat in in any conditions but what is it do you think in the bumps in particular that you kind of innately are able to to read and excel in those conditions
0: Yeah no that's a it's a great question that's something I've been asking myself for a long time but what it is, it's just—I mean—it starts with you know a great foundation. My dad was uh, pushing me at a young age, and it wasn't just surfing. Like a lot of parents were just focusing on one thing, and he was, you know, taking me surfing at two years old. Next thing you know, I'm surfing by myself. Then he's like, "Hey, try this. This is really fun." And you know, I just kept on trying different sports, being in different conditions, and uh, whether it was dealing with the wind or dealing with big surf, getting towed by a ski. You know i really opened my perspective instead of just surfing the same wave and the same few different spots and seeing the same like conditions happen and uh from a young age until now and and then practice makes perfect man i mean it's not like everyone you know uh have done the maliko run and been in those bumps i mean thousands of times those were my first early age like i said i've been i'm going in my 10th year of racing and my first races, my first training i thought and of paddling was downwind and then all of a sudden battle the paddle was introduced and i'm like wait i have to paddle 10 miles in the flats like no i didn't sign up for this you know so it's uh you know that has got me into it and that's uh purely because of you know being here in maui like uh the conditions here are consistently changing i'm consistently switching gear and grew up doing that and that has a huge part of it look at mo look at kai look at zane um all amazing riders in the bumps as well whether it's surf racing or actual downwind
1: yeah no doubt growing up on the island being in those conditions is a a huge advantage and then like you said your upbringing i want to i want to talk about your motivation in your 10th year of racing but first uh, what catalyze you to enter that race when you're 14 you talked about how you got into stand-up but like what made you go and enter into this 26 mile channel crossing
0: uh i don't i mean it comes from you know parents my dad grew up um you know he grew up here in hawaii and he was he he was sailing those channels from a young age as well and when i say sailing more big boat caps and sailboats and stuff. So. He wanted to pass that on to me in the sense of, you know, the, the luxury and the, you know, able to cross the channel by your own will whether it's wind or windsurfing or whatever it was. And the first time I actually crossed that channel was eight and a half years old windsurfing. So it wasn't the whole 27-mile run, but we went from the two closest points of Maui to Molokai, and it was like the swells out there were triple high because I was only eight and a half years old. So. You know, it started at a young age, and it was just something that, um, you know, not only seeing my dad do, but all the people here in Hawaii, we've been so blessed. I mean, Kai and our generation have such legends like, you know, Robbie Nash the Dave Kalama, Laird all these people that, and the list goes on, you know, but all these people that were pushing boundaries and pushing limits. And my dad was sponsoring these people my dad was working with these people. So I was heavily involved, like seeing them, seeing their gear, helping with their gear, going on a channel. I remember going on a channel crossing, uh, you know, paddling wise with Dave Kalama and uh, (laughs) Dave um, (laughs) Daly. And it was the double D team, you know, and I was just handing them water and, getting to talk to them when they're doing their switches and stuff and uh, it goes back to my the upbringing, the background and I think that's a huge part of the motivation and now it's purely just because I love it. It's for the fun and um, it's funny to say but going into my 10th year I think, I know it's been it's already super exciting and it's uh, the most amped I've been in a while. The last two years were definitely a grind and I was figuring out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be but you know, this next year it's
1: uh, full on, full on. Yeah, uh, it, it's almost like that's just what you do. Like if you if you're surrounded by those people on growing up on the island, like you said, it's like yeah, sure, I'm gonna cross this channel. Cause why wouldn't I? I've done it on the windsurf and and now I'm on a stand up, and it's just the next that, thing. So
0: yeah, no, that's a good actor. It
1: is. So so you mentioned. Uh, and we've talked about 10 years that's crazy man and and to do anything for 10 years let alone at the top of the game you know definitely those early years you were just coming up you mentioned that big win and but then you weren't dominating like you have in the last you know 5 6 years but then but like for 5 6 years and obviously there's there's guys there's there's new guys coming in there's the old guard that that are that have also been there, but no one, I mean, this isn't an opinion. This is also based in, in race standings, you know, from sub racer and in your results that you've been at the top now for, for, for a long time. And, and I know it's easy to get complacent and certainly with everyone wants your name. Like if they beat Connor Baxter, like that's going to make their year, if not their career. So is, that's gotta be some motivation. Talk us through just, you, you talked about the last couple of years being a grind and talk us through like maybe what that was like. And now your new motivation, uh, in this 10th year.
0: Yeah. You know, when I say that it was just, you know, figuring out really my own body and my own limits, And, um, you know, I was just, going i was not thinking about the recovery side i wasn't thinking about the longevity i was thinking about now and this is the race i'm gonna win and i want to train and prepare for it as hard as i can and uh you know now that i've connected with paddle monster larry Kane, i think that has had a huge step in the motivation like last year i came off the year like wow i had a incredible year, won some, you know, big races, ticked off all the ones I really wanted to win and, you know, placed top three and all the other ones from short to, you know, long distance. And, uh, you know, I feel great. I feel like I can keep going, which every year before that I came off like, I'm done, I'm throwing my race board away. All I want to do is surf. I don't want to think about having a paddle in my hand. And, you know, I think uh, just because of that, I was like, okay, I'm ready to train. I want to train. I'm ready for next year. I'm ready for 2018. And another huge thing is the whole the whole movement with the uh, the Paddlers Collective. It sparked last year, and it's something that we've been wanting to happen and been talking about for the last 10 years. Like, hey, we should have a group, you know? And now we actually have it. We have communication with all the athletes around the world, and that has sparked another thing, which is the Paddlers League, and that's a. Uh, You know, going to be my main focus for this year and, you know, having a new tour and new outlook and a new um, kind of objective as far as building the amateurs up, building these grassroots events that are already there, already been strong for so long. um, It really gives the motivation, you know, to go there, showcase, give 110% at the race and also be there to answer questions, teach clinics and have some fun.
1: Yeah, I remember you were doing a ridiculous amount of racing. I mean, you still do for the average paddler, but even for the elite guys, uh, you were, you were at more races and not only Adam, but, but winning them, if not, you know, right, right there. So yeah. How many races were you doing? Maybe like two or three years ago when you were, when you were, it just... was, it
0: was easily like 25 races. And I remember there was one year where I was, on the top of stuff racer you know and i was like 25 races and then you go down to second place it's like danny Ching and travis grant in third and they're like five races i'm like they're going to the smart ones but yeah i was touching everywhere you know i was like full force had the budget had the sponsors had the backing and had the energy and i was going full force head down and i think that's what kind of got me in this lump all i was doing all i was thinking about was At the top and winning, and it wasn't that easy, you know. Like you're saying, there's new guys coming in, the old dogs holding strong at the five events that they went to, and I had a huge target on my back. I mean, even for recharge heats or heats leading up to the final, someone beats me and they're just like, okay, I can retire. I'm like, come on, like, what? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? So it it was definitely exhausting and last year still doing 20 races and plus you know saying 20 races most of those events were two-day races saturday sunday so you know it's a lot of racing a lot of taxing on the body plus you know the miles put in um you know the months before the training weeks before and um i think that was a big part of burnout and you know now having less races to focus on you know and now really picking and choosing you know having a new trainer saying hey okay you have to choose your a race. Like this is the ones you want to win. These ones you, you'll go, you'll show up, you'll do good, but you can't win them all, you know? And it's, it's a hard thing, but we're doing so many races from 200 meters to 32 miles on in the ocean. So it's a, uh, it's a big range to cover. And I've been trying to do my best and plan on keep on doing that, man.
1: Yeah. Well, people are in trouble if, if you're narrowing down and focusing more because you've already been dominating while you're, you know, killing yourself with an average of over two races a month. So definitely being more focused. I know, uh, as an athlete, like you're just going to no doubt feel better and, and stronger. So, uh, with that being said, we got, a what is often the big kickoff for the the season i like to think of it as that and i think a lot of other people do and that's the carolina cup and that's an event correct me if i'm wrong but you have not won it um how much is that on your radar as an event that you want to take down
0: yeah man that's the key feel for me for some reason I uh, have had really no luck there it's always been a grind which it is for everyone but um you know this year it's it's like i said it's a new attitude towards the whole game of it and that's i think been the missing link every year i've going been going to that race for whatever it's been five six years now and um every year i went to it i was dreading it except for the first year the first year i had no clue what i was signed up for and i was like oh, okay perfect and it was after a trip of going two weeks Uh, in Brazil, having a surf event for the, like, stand-up World Series and a race straight from Brazil to Abu Dhabi, then did that whole thing, surfed and raced over there, then straight from there to Carolina, and I was like, okay, I'm still going, let's keep it going before the jet lag catches up, and that was like, dead, like, 13 miles, bonked super hard, got, like, 15th or 20th, and I was like, okay, I never want to do this race again, and uh, I think that's, like, been a missing link every year since then it just scarred me and I never wanted to do it again and always kind of dreaded it I love the atmosphere I love the camaraderie I love the event that's why I keep on returning but I never went into that event like I go into a Molokai or like I go in for PPG I'm like visualizing and expecting and watching myself cross that finish line in first place every time a week month you know before the actual event happens where Carolina it's like oh okay okay, let's get this one over with. And, uh, this year it's full force. You know, I definitely want to go and give it my best shot and I'd be stoked to break that top five spot. That's the best I've done there. So we'll see.
1: Yeah. Well, you've, you've won basically every other race. So uh, this was just interesting and it's interesting because, you know, I, I do, I think I remember you flying in and, and knowing crazy travel schedule you just went through that 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 first year and then and and yeah and some people have you know events that they look forward to and and they kind of put that on uh as one they want to perform well at and and so definitely wishing you the best of luck at that and it'll be interesting it seems like you're feeling more rested so uh, I think a lot of us, we can expect to see you. Either way, you're going to be up there, but but definitely going to run. <laughs> I'll, run. Be, I'll give
0: it my best shot. Yeah. For sure. Nothing, nothing guaranteed. But, no, definitely going to have some fun. Got some clinics. Uh, it's going to be an epic. That one, like I said, it's great to go back and build these grassroots uh, events up. You know, the, those are the events, and the people that show up are the reason why I have a uh, career out of this sport, which is, you know, so amazing. I'm so grateful for
1: well, let's switch gears for a second. We, we touched on it a little bit, but let's talk about training. Um, let's talk about, you, you mentioned you're changing your training a little bit, but everyone wants to know what the fastest paddler in the world is doing. So walk us through, I know, you know, there's periodization and, and your training doesn't look the same all year, but like your average training week that's, you know, let's say as you're a month out from, from a race, um, what does your training week look like?
0: You know, like, uh, for instance, got the event coming up in Tahiti and um, full on right now. I'm definitely off been off season hitting the gym more. Of course, once the season starts, it's going to be a little bit hard, harder to find that time for the gym. And uh, I'll be just full cylinders. As soon as Tahiti starts, I'll be racing until December. I have another packed year this year. But, you know, it's six days a week on the water guaranteed. Uh, most of those were, you know, harder, longer, and then some interval stuff always got to, you know, play with the threshold and stuff. And, uh, from there it's three days a week in the gym and that's, uh, pretty much identical each week leading up into the event, like the week out, of course, kind of slowing it down, just getting on the water, having fun and just keeping it loose.
1: So six days a week on the water to me, and, and like I've always told people, there's no necessarily wrong or right way. There's there's what works for individuals. And and there are certain protocols and with rest and recovery and that you want to cover. But six, six. so how many of those six days on the water are, what kind of intensity are we talking about?
0: That's the thing. So it's not every day going cooling heavy water every day. You can't do that otherwise. And I think that was the problem the years before. Every day I went to a training session. Um, you know, we had a good group and I was taking it as a race every day. I came off of a training session, like, whew, I was like hundred (laughs) percent the whole time. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, now it's like a couple days, I'd say like two or three of those days, you know, pulling 80, 90%. And then the rest of the, you know, three days, um, or two or three days, I would say pulling 80, 90%, but the rest is just, you know, especially now in the off season, just getting miles under the belt, you know, it's going to be. Hard to get those miles in once the year starts. So uh, you know, just paddling and broken up into intervals and stuff, even if it is a two hour paddle, but just minor kind, um rate seventy kind of percent.
1: And in the gym, what kind of uh what kind of exercises are you doing?
0: Just just pumping iron, man. <laughs> nah, just uh I mean, if you follow me on Instagram and stuff, it's definitely just pushing weight around, getting some, you know, foundation strength and a big thing I've been working with another guy as well, just uh, taking it back a few steps with sports for his name's Rob Williams. But he's, uh, yeah, super incredible. Just in all sports can basically change how you're moving and change where your muscle and your, you know, where you should properly be, you know, firing and engaging to pull the paddle through the water, or for instance, throwing a football or any of that kind of stuff. And I think that's been a game changer for sure. I just because, you know, at the end of the day, you really don't need to lift 400 pounds or whatever it is. You need to be able to throw your body weight around and control your body weight and be pliable and stuff like that. So, you know, the gym is just off season. And then once it's on season, it's more just foundation stuff, found uh, body work and some band stuff, but nothing crazy.
1: So I saw you were in Thailand and it seems like you're there every year doing testing with starboard. Can you talk a little bit about the testing process and, and what, what those trips look like and, and what's going on?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, You know, part of my favorite, uh, you know, like being about starboard and that part of that relationship we have, and they have it with all the athletes and they're full force, you know, they're, um, and when I say they, it's Sven, the owner, it's Ollie, it's all the R&D, it's all the workshop guys, they are there to make the fastest board, and it's going to be, you know, as best as they can, light as they can, and as strong as they can, and now, you know, making it bioresin and making it good for the environment. But I'm out there for about two weeks and uh, normally I'll have one or other, one or two other athletes there with me. And we go through probably 10 to 12 different boards and narrow it down. And once we get the fastest one, it still really isn't fast enough. <laughs> you know, I probably could be there for a month and that's just how it is. It's just, um, Fenn's never satisfied. In a good way. And he's always like, okay, that's great, but how can we do better? He's always trying to push the boundaries. And, uh, for instance, I was there, you know, a month ago testing 2020. And it's just that's how far ahead this guy is. And that's how much he is. He's like, hey, we have a fast board now, but uh, I'm already ready. Like, let's push it more. Let's get it, see if we can get it even faster. And working with all kinds of different engineer people from boats to, you know, canoes, companies, and all kinds of stuff. So they're definitely at the cutting edge. And, uh, I mean, it, it shows, you know, Starboard is making some of the best boards, and also their athletes are on the top pretty much 90% of the time. Yeah,
1: it's pretty incredible just having been in the industry and the reputation of Sven is, like, like you said, never satisfied but in a good way. And it shows. I mean, the boards are – are fast and, and they're well made and and uh, it's got to be great to be a part of that and as an athlete to have the confidence in your equipment. Um, is it true? Are you guys able to turn around a board in a day and so make a new board and test it that same day?
0: Pretty much. I mean, it's it's a couple of days, of course. Like cutting it, CNC it. They're they're laying it up. I mean, two days, full days. The guys working over over hours and overtime. And, yeah, you got a board. I mean, and the crazy thing is once the board's built, they're ready to add volume, take off volume, reshape it, and then it's ready within the next hour. And they're just throwing some, you know, just throwing it into the water, not really even ready. But just to get that feel, okay, pull it out. Okay, we'll glass it. This feels good. This is good. Okay, go. Like, it's, it's something they're they're pushing and you know when they already have the boards made to yeah even the first step i mean like i said we show up we have 10 boards ready to go and try to narrow it down to the fastest ones the first day i was there yeah we went through like 10 or 12 boards in the first couple hours so it's it's pretty crazy and in that sense you know you're you're seeing a big result i mean for me personally, it's epic to, yeah, like you said, have that confidence and then just know, you know, like, hey, okay, not only is my board and equipment at the top level, my body and mind is there, you know, this is, you know, I'm going to race the best I can and we'll see what happens.
1: And yeah, it's pretty awesome to be able to make modifications. That's what I was thinking, like same day stuff because I've seen yeah. pictures of like chopping and sanding and then, you know, like oh, just yeah. modifying just doing the that
0: board. yeah, kind of stuff in a couple hours, you know, like that, that's how it is and it's, like, true, like, a uh, little bit different, but we were testing some downwind foil boards right when foiling was coming out. Um, of course, now they're, we're on, like, 5 O's going downwind, but it was like, okay, let's start at twelve six because Sven didn't want to, like, you know, have to make a new mold, so we started there. Sven's on the back of the boat with a huge saw. Nope, too long, okay, cut it down to 12, 11 feet, 10 feet, 8 feet. On the <laughs> boat. hacking away, you know. <laughs> On the boat, just cutting through a brand new starboard, like it's just you know, and and that thing, and just go test, just test, 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 get feedback, feedback, feedback. Okay, next thing, and he's doing that with everything too. I mean, little off subject, but he's doing that with the graphic team, with the windsurfing team, to the design team, to over at the factory at Cobra, to. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't stop. He's the first one up, last one to bed.
1: <laughs> He's on it. So when you guys are testing, are you using a GPS? How much of it is GPS? How much of it is feel?
0: I'd say about 50-50. Definitely want to have some numbers just to have numbers. But at the end of the day, you know, it's technology. You never really know. And sometimes, I, for instance, I've been doing it for the last seven years easily, if not longer, going over there and testing. And uh, it's come to a feel thing. Um, I get a pretty good feel just from, you know, 50 strokes, side by side with someone, okay, switch, do it again. And, you know, just a little bit repetitive, but, you know, you can really get a good feel of the boards.
1: So we've been focusing a lot, obviously, almost completely on racing. And most people know you from racing, but I know you are a passionate surfer. So let's just start off by talking where – where are you at with surfing? It seems like coming into the season, you've been training, you're super focused on the race board. How are you approaching surfing these days?
0: Yeah, surfing is something I've enjoyed and and loved doing from childhood, you know, and uh, it's something I'll always continue doing, whether it's on a stand-up board or laying down or even on a foil. Now, you know, it's something I had a lot of fun on this off season. We didn't get any crazy big swells here in Hawaii, only a handful, which I was kind of gotten for some of them, of course, but you know, when it's time to go surf and the conditions are right, I'm out there hundred percent. And, uh, you know, I've gotten some crazy sessions out at Piahi on the stand up and surfboard and, you know, around the world as well. So yeah. definitely love doing it. But, you know, for me, as far as the competitive side it's never been uh a spark or it's never been something to really a calling or dragged into just because i really love the factor of racing it's like you cross that line and you put in 110 percent, and you won doesn't matter you know no one has opinion or what what about it you know unless you did something wrong and cheated but Certain there's so many criterias and there's so many judging factors and the kudzu and stuff like that that I've never really found the passion for it and plus the atmosphere in the water you know racing yeah there's tense times in the water but sometimes we're working together depending on who we're next to we're like calling out shots giving each other room for buoy turns you know letting people in for trains pushing the train whatever it is and then when we cross the line it's even better we're having a beer shaking hands and the surfing side has that, too, but it's just so aggro, and it's it's just a whole nother animal, for sure. So, like I said, it's definitely a passion of mine, and we'll keep doing it to the end of time, for sure, but for fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a competition. So, I always struggled with... Uh, especially when we moved to San Diego, we, I moved there with my family to surf because I love surfing and I was still training and racing a lot at the time. But like, if the ways were good, I could, it was really hard for me to go out and grind on a, on a race board and, and I would just surf. So like, where's your mind at? Because you were the best paddler in the world and I know I know you love surfing. Do you kind of just, as you're preparing for the season, like shut it off?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm able to hit that switch. You know, I've uh, always told myself I like to balance myself in between Kai and Zane, Because Zane's like 120% in the water, sun up to sunrise, going full force always. You know, and Kai is very strategic. You know, he's always planning, always knows 10 steps ahead of what's going to affect him in the moment. And, uh, you know, almost too much that it... You know, it steers them away from really having relationships and and stuff like that. And I think balancing myself in between that has been really key. But, um, no, I mean, I have to pass Okipa every morning to go train at the harbor because here at Maui the wind comes up. So Kahuli Harbor is the best place to train, protected by the wind. And in one lap you get a little bit of sidewind, downwind, upwind, and a little bit of the other sidewind. So you have every type of condition in one lap. And uh, it's a pretty epic training ground. So I have to pass Oquipa and look out, you know, most of the time firing surf. And then even if it's, you know, bigger days, you know, there's waves in the harbor. So I'm doing laps passing all my friends, foiling and surfing, especially now with the foil. Because even if there's a slight wave out there, they're out there. So I'm like, yeah, yep, hi, hi. Okay, can't really talk more than that because I'm out of breath. Like, (laughs) see ya, bye. And it's definitely a hard one. But... I find the time to have fun, whether it is even on a race board, warming up, catching a few waves, and cooling down, catching a few ways, or, you know, like, Hey, I have a, I mean, I have my sprinter van and have the foil windsurf gear and surf gear in there all the time. So passing will keep us still got a little energy, not doing the workout later in the day. I'll stop by and do a quick sesh for sure.
1: So you mentioned, uh, Kai and Zane and, there was, a few years ago, a lot of, uh, in the sub world, it, hype, I guess you could call it, around, and, and still, but maybe not as much as the the peak, I think, was Salt Creek, but of your rivalry with Kai. And, and for those that don't know, you guys basically grew up competing against each other from a young age. And then I feel like the rivalry was was very played up, but it, it did seem like there was something there um, can you talk a little bit about that and then as Kai seems to be going away from racing uh, where you're where it's at now
0: yeah for sure I mean definitely he was uh, like I said he's very strategic he was wanting to be the best of the best at anything he put his mind to and it was one of the most more, more fiercest competitors I've had and um you know when it was game time we were always you know we had our faces on and we would race but there was always a sense of friendship from the beginning like you said we've been competing against each other and growing up in the same place with the same idols and you know same people taking us surfing and uh from you know a young age so it was never anything to do with uh you know like cause he's Kai or cause I'm Connor, but I think it was definitely played up from everybody. And we even went along with it too, just because, Hey, it gets us a few more followers or it gets us a few more views, whatever it is. And, um, now that he's transferred out, Oh my gosh, you know, it's it's totally different. We see each other almost every other day driving and whether it's in the water surfing, which I never see him out on a race board anymore, really. But it's, uh, yeah, it's always good vibes for sure.
1: Yeah, I always thought it was uh, you, you know you can tell there's certain narratives and it's definitely a good one and and you guys grew up racing uh, like like I said from a young age and and uh, there was an element that was that was authentic but also uh, played up a little but I think it's also good for the sport and and now um,
0: it was great. It was great for the sport and great for us our, ourselves. You know, it pushed us to that next level. It really brought. Um, I mean, it brought stand-up not necessarily on the map, but it just was like, hey, hey, this is a serious sport. You know, people, there's rivalries. People are going 120%. Like, it, uh, you know, for ourselves, for the sport, for, you know, everything, it really, you know, made made something. And it's, uh, you know, a story now, and it's something we can talk about, and it's great. You know, Kai is on another level when it comes to being competitive. So it's um, it's cool to see where he's gone now and where he is now.
1: So is there someone that's maybe taken his place just in your mind? and it, You don't have to call it a rival, but just guys that you maybe have your eye on or you're like, hey, it's game time if, if they're showing up to race.
0: Definitely. There's a handful for sure, but the uh, biggest one would definitely be Michael Booth. And you got to look at what race it is. I mean, it's funny now that racing has come, you know, so many different, elements and divisions you can almost call it as far as open ocean what size board you're on surf race you know there's always that one guy that i'm like oh okay here it is it's on he's here and you know distance would definitely be but michael and he's even coming up in the sprints now and technical courses for sure um but then when you do get to those more technical courses i'm i'm worried about michael but then it's casper and mo like 120 percent and yeah, I can't really call those rivalries. <laughs> what me and Kai had was a, yeah, there was a lot of drama to it, but at the end of the day, it was a real rivalry. We wanted to beat each other no matter what, and I was going to lay my life on the line and put my, you know, go 120% to beat them. And whatever it was, whether I broke a rib or what, I was going to push to the finish to beat him. And uh, these guys, it's funny, like when we did the technical race over for the ISA in Denmark, Casper, um, Mo, and I, we were all working together. Like, we were calling out shots. Hey, this is your turn. You're in head. You're, you've got a clean buoy turn. You take the inside, blah, blah. You know, like, we were communicating. It might have not been full sentences, but, you know, we were pushing each other, had that type of, you know, competitive rivalry, but then, we of, hey, let's, let's work together. Like, if, if we just bash each other in and really try to kill each other out here, which sometimes came down with Kai and I, we're just going to affect ourselves. And uh, so that's really cool about, you know, most of the competitors now. You know, you don't have to, you know, really do that. But then again, you do have to do that. There is still those guys behind that are pushing super hard at our heels that will stick their board between your legs to make sure that you're not out, you know, in front it's as far as you could have been. And, you know, it's it's getting down to that. There's The top 20 It's now... <laughs> really stepped up their game and they're just as potential to win races, you know, the top five, which back in the day was the top five. Right. It was going to be just that top five, you know, you could kind of call it out the day before. And now, you know, the top 20 is really pushing hard.
1: Yeah. It's generally good vibes on the water, but it's, it's competition at the end of the day. So there's nothing wrong with, with a little, little bumping within the, within the rules and always enjoyed, you know, it's kind of fun when you have that, like, friendly rivalry and, and, and uh, you know, exactly. at the end of the day. Yeah.
0: No, that's, why, that's why we love racing.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just, I want to put a link in, in the show notes on uh, on our website on BlueZoneSup.com. I want to put a link of the video because uh, I think it, it it's... Uh, it was like the apex of your rivalry not to harp on it with with kai but because it was a it was a cool moment but the salt creek the infamous salt creek uh technical race where there was a a crossing in the waves and then one one of you one of you got close to the other and then the other retaliated then kai fell and 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 i'll just let the video you know you people can watch the video, but it, it was competition. And it was, it was a, it was a cool thing to see because I mean, I obviously wanted to be within the rules but and i think it was uh, maybe until the end <laughs> but but uh
0: it, it was until, until the end i would say yeah
1: until a little hand grab and and we'll have the video but but my point being is that the camaraderie in stand-up uh in general is is amazing and and then in, in racing it's also there but i feel like sometimes people from the outside it's like oh everyone's so friendly but like the guys and girls that like especially at the top the elite ones uh they'll they'll do anything within the rules to like win a race like the top guys and girls because they're competitors so i i, I just like yeah. to you know remind people like they that uh they they are uh i cut throat you know like they'll do we'll do did, what it takes 100
0: percent, man and um you know at the end of the day we're all athletes and like you said we'll we'll do what we got to do and of course you know stand up definitely has a different vibe than most sports and we've seen that over the years you know it's of camaraderie but you know we'll go for it you know if there's an if you give an inch we'll take it <laughs> put it that way you know and that's what it's coming down to and that's any healthy sport has that you know you give an inch, they're going to take a mile. So it's something that you really got to put a foot down. And if you want to play with the big guys, you got to play a little bit rough sometimes. If they're playing rough and if everyone's playing clean and working together, boom, there you go. You work together and help each other out.
1: So before we wrap up here, we talked a little bit about downwind paddling in the beginning of the interview. And, and I, like I said, I've seen you in, in person downwind paddling, race against you downwind paddling. Usually I only see you for the first like five, ten minutes of the race. And then you're like a speck on the horizon, uh, especially downwind. So are there any things that you are that you could give like the average downwind paddler besides the things that most of us know that you're looking for that kind of you feel is are helping you to be so fast in the bumps?
0: Yeah, it comes down to two things, I guess you could put it, and it's definitely your foot movement and your your body weight proportion. You know, you're trying to catch a wave, and just like anything, if you're too far back on the board, you're not going to catch it, and if you're too far forward, you're going to go over the handlebars. And going downwind, it's such a fine balance, especially when you're trying to stay with a single swell. And I think a big thing is, you know, you're just looking for that perfect trough where you're almost curling and your nose is almost going under into the swell in front of you, and you, but you're not quite there and you're still, like, riding the wave as well. And a big thing is not going straight at it. Go left or right, and that will always open the doors, and that would always open up the opportunity. Whether you go straight and you're really paddling hard, you're just going to be going over a hill, whereas at an angle, you have a chance to surf. You have a chance to go left or right, connect it to another bump, And uh, with that foot movement, I found that, you know, just a little hop back, you know, you won't curl. And then a hop forward trying to get on as well, you know, you're really pushing that nose down and getting a little energy up there and pushing forward on the board as well. So those are two things. I mean, like I said, it's something that happens somewhat natural for myself. You know, now I just know what I'm looking for. And now it's the feeling and I'm not even paying attention. I'm just thinking about, okay, don't go too hard you know, don't go too high with the heart rate, just keep it good, okay, you know, for those long distance ones as well for sure. But you know, it's something you gotta keep on practicing and have the want. And a big thing too is just relaxing. Like everyone is so gung ho about trying to catch the swell, but sometimes just standing there. And putting your hands up and putting your paddle up and just feeling the ocean and feeling what it's doing to your board can give you a better understanding of what's actually happening. I mean, you're doing something. It's not like your board's not doing anything. So taking a second to take it in is is huge as well.
1: I think that's all great advice. And it's actually something uh, that I've been trying to do more in in stand-up surfing, because I think having been coaching stand-up surfers now down here in Costa Rica and trying to improve myself I think we tend to because we have all this volume and because we have the paddle we tend to over surf the wave and we don't like you said we don't feel the ocean just like when you're riding bumps so I've been trying to really slow down and and we actually just recorded a podcast uh, Eric and I in in Fisher Grant where we talk about slowing down and actually surfing a wave if you can shortboard that's great but even surfing a wave without your paddle on your stand up so you know you can paddle in or or throw your paddle because that's going to force you to use the energy of the ocean and and you're going to surf the wave better and then so you, possible, right? yeah. yeah so using that same same logic for downwind paddling makes a lot of sense like slow down it's not all about a high cadence, it's a, It's more about connecting the bumps and paddling when you need to, but not paddling when you don't.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's a big thing, too. I mean, and technique-wise, I think I have a really high cadence. So I'm able to paddle 110% when I need to, and I'm also able to take 110% and back when I catch the bump, taking breaths, surfing, relaxing, getting energy, taking a sip of water, and that's key like if you're paddling through those sections that you're should be surfing and you can be surfing but yeah people have a paddle in their hand and they're like oh keep paddling keep paddling keep paddling you know i could have been resting now now when the bump is over or i want to connect it up and over to the next one i don't have that energy i don't have that burst to get up and over whereas when i burst into it rest okay easy easy oh now i gotta go i gotta go again you know, I rejuvenate it and can burst up and over that swell again.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's not so much about when to paddle; it's when not to paddle. I I love downwind paddling for for the. For, obviously, it's just fun, but like the the zen of it. It's like less is more, you know. And 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 you you almost get. I don't know about you, but I get like in a very meditative state when I'm downwind paddling because I'm so focused on, oh, um, yeah. so d- do you feel that, like, that focus?
0: Yeah, no, I, I go tunnel vision. I, I black out sometimes. Like <laughs> I'll, uh, I mean, those three-hour races, I remember the beginning and the end. I don't know what's going on in the middle of the three hours, and honestly, it sometimes seems like an hour race. Like, good downwind races when you're connecting bumps and surfing the whole time, Maui to Molokai, for instance, that time I broke the record and stuff, like those those times, I was in a zone that I don't even know. I was like, okay, Travis could be on breathing down my neck for all I know right now, but I'm just connecting, surfing, 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 not a care about what's going on other than, you know, riding bumps, taking sips of water.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, and I look forward to—we'll be spending the summer in Hood River again and and uh, doing those runs in and, and Maui. I know you got the, the Maliko and then Maui to Molokai, uh, but for a lot of our listeners are— Certainly, there's going to be racers that have never downwind paddled and then surfers that have never downwind paddled. And I, I can't recommend it enough because it's just it's so fun. And and you're, you're getting exercise, but it doesn't feel like like a flat water grind. And it, it, once you once you get a little bit good, you're not falling in. It can be like so meditative. And you, like you said, you get in that zone and in three hours feels like an hour, you know.
0: No, definitely, man. I mean, it's uh, like I said in the beginning here, that's what I fell in love with with stand up. We were doing all, purely that. There was no such thing as stand up flat water. <laughs> Actually, there Laird was the only madman paddling upwind, but <laughs> you know, he was surfing back down. It was never flat water for us here, and it was always such a. A uh, funny thing when we started doing you know races outside of Hawaii because I really had to adapt and change because I was like, hey, there's no help here. I got to freaking paddle these ten miles. Like <laughs> Maliko runs were taking us in under an hour, and now the same amount of miles is taking me an hour and a half. What's going on here, man? Like it's uh, it's a fun thing, and like I, I come from a windsurfing and surfing background, and you know it's one of the only sports, and purely when I say only sports, downwind in particular. That is combining all of that. You're using the wind, you're surfing, and you know you're going downwind and you know getting a fabulous workout. And the whole time, especially on a twelve six, and that's purely pretty much all I use, except for you know the big races, is like cross stepping up and down. You know, going and turning, catching glides, and it's surfing for 10 miles. It's not a workout.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And, and as much as I've been surfing down here in Costa Rica and loving it, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back in the bumps a little bit. And uh, thank you for, for all this insight. And it's been really interesting to hear. And, and let's finish up. Uh, I mentioned earlier we talked about BART. And uh, we had Bart on the show, and he shared a really uh, good story about the early days of you guys paddling together, and, and I brought up the, the famous uh, Connor Baxter stroke, and, and Bart told us a little story that, that uh, it might meet, need to be renamed. Is, is there some truth to the fact that uh, you picked up a little bit of the choke down stroke from Bart?
0: There might be, there might be. I don't, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> no, for sure. Like I said, Bart took me under his wing. Like I was purely going downwind, and those races international and out of Hawaii started happening. And he was being the uncle like all of the guys here in Hawaii. You know, he took me under the wing and said, "Hey, you gotta stop having fun, <laughs> no, no." But he said, "You gotta stop going downwind. Let's come train in the harbor early mornings and do some flat water stuff." and you know, going from that, I was using the same paddle that we are normally using downwind. But like I said, you have to go upwind, downwind, sidewind. So you have all these different changing conditions. And the board I was using for downwind was much thicker. So, you know, hopping into the harbor, we were going and, and uh, trying to grab on the handle and, and upwind section, see Bart choking down, swatting down. And it was more than like a, I actually noticed. It just, it just happened like I didn't even know I was doing it until really quite honest like I think the year I won battle of the paddle I knew I was doing it but I, I remember Byron Kurt just like making so much fun of me like grab the damn handle son. like what well, you're doing it wrong and then I won the battle of the paddle he's like oh so so what how do you do that what are you doing <laughs> is, it, is it really good <laughs> you know so it's it's Definitely the Bart Stroke, and I made it famous. Uh, we'll we'll state it here.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, well, thanks for that, Connor. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you coming on the show. Is there anything uh, you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, any any exciting things in the pipeline for for 2018 for you?
0: Ah, uh, definitely. No, huge huge year for myself. Not only doing some incredible trips and amazing races, but getting married this year, and uh, pretty excited about that. It's gonna be like in the middle of a Euro Tour, so get married on Wednesday and then racing in Bilbao that Saturday. No so way. Not really <laughs> in the lifestyle. It's still just going to happen on the road. <laughs>
1: Where are you and, getting, uh, married? getting
0: married? married in, in Europe, in Italy. So it's going to be an incredible year for you.
1: Oh, sure. sick. Awesome. Well, congrats. Yeah. Congrats on that. And yep. uh yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to following you this season. Yeah,
0: definitely thank you man and last thing with just yeah like i always say always have fun never give up whatever it is whether you're surfing racing or what you know you you know your dreams are just the start of it and uh, you never know what you can do with it and just never give up man
1: awesome connor well thanks again
0: it's the paddleboard podcast